today uh, we're going to wrap up this series talking about what Lee Strobel uh, calls the unexpected adventure. Uh, the unexpected adventure. And so I want to give you a definition we're going to put up on the screen. So the unexpected adventure is what we experience when we are willing, available, and prayerful about the work of God in the lives of other people. The unexpected adventure is what we experience when we are willing, available, and prayerful about the work of God in the lives of other people. How many of you know that there is a great adventure called Christianity? And you guys have heard me say this many times, if you are bored with your Christian life, you are not following Jesus, right? Because there is nothing boring about following Him. As a matter of fact, when we follow Christ in a genuine, real way, and we're going to talk about what that looks like today, it really does open up what Lee Strobel calls unexpected adventures, where in the midst of your daily life, God will give you opportunities to impact people for the glory of God. And I just want to encourage you in that simple truth today, and we're going to kind of dissect the, that thought on the screen this morning and talk about how do we really tap in to this unexpected adventure and really live a life that allows our life to touch somebody else for the hope of the gospel. So let's look in Matthew chapter 5. I want you to see this great scripture. Jesus is speaking, and Jesus is looking and speaking to his disciples. He's talking to the followers, to the people that are following him. We got any followers of Jesus in the house today? Anybody following Christ? Well, if you're here today, and he, he's speaking to you, so I want you to hear what he says. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is in good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Look at the next verse. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Now look at verse 16. He says, so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine. Let me just say this to you today. It is the will of God that we would be the salt and the light of the earth, that our lives would leave the flavor of Christ and the illumination of His glory into people's lives in such a way that they, their life would then bring glory to God. Now, now, there's a great little phrase right here. He says, and they may see your good works. The word there for good uh, is not the word that means the opposite of bad. The word there for good literally means desirable, attractable, or wonderful, or even beautiful. And the idea is simply this, that when we live out our Christian life in the way that it's intended to be lived— there is a desirability about Christianity that attracts people to Jesus, and they actually want to have what you have. See, every time I meet somebody that has been turned off by Christianity, I know 99% of the time the reason they've been turned off by Christianity is not because they saw a committed follower of Jesus, but it's because they saw someone that professed Christ but didn't actually live for Christ. Because when you look at the life of Jesus, there's something amazing about Jesus' life. Jesus' life was desirable. 
right? Lost people wanted to be around him. Hurting people wanted to connect to him. Rich people were curious about him. Political leaders wanted to interview him, right? When you look at the life of Jesus, you find out that there was something desirable. There was something attractable. There was something beautiful about the work of God in his life that compelled people to come to him. And I believe that when we live out the life that God has called us to live, our life looks the same. That all of a sudden there is something desirable, beautiful, attractable about Christianity that all of a sudden people that don't know God want to know him because of the way you and I live our lives. That's the kind of Christianity I want to live. How about you? That's the kind of life I want to live and model out so that people see me and desire to know him because of how I live my daily life. Amen? So let's talk uh, about this little phrase. So what does it mean, if we look at our next point, what does it mean to be willing, available, and prayerful? We've got a little, about a 30-second clip from the movie, and we're going to watch this together. And we're going to see just a beautiful example of how a, how a unexpected adventure is available to all of us every day if we'll just be aware of what God is doing. Amen? Let's watch this clip together. Mm-hmm. Yes, Allie, what is it, baby? Are you choking? I think she's choking. Shall we come call? Come on, Allie. It's okay, sweetheart. I'm right here. Okay, stay calm. Look at that. Oh, please do Come on, talk, Allie. Come on, baby. Please, somebody help me. Please. Call an ambulance. Baby, you have to breathe right now. Okay, this is everybody, you need to breathe. Give her, give her some space. Come on, baby, please. Look at daddy. Okay, breathe for me. You're going to be all right. I love you, sweetheart. Just panic and It's not luck, it's Jesus. <laughs> My husband and I went our way to another restaurant tonight. <laughs> Something told me I need to be here. It's not luck. <laughs> it's Jesus, right? This one experience, this one unexpected adventure opened the door for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we're going to see tonight as we watch the movie together, this lady who saved the life of their little girl actually becomes the influential voice of Christ into the heart of the Strobel family. And all of a sudden, because she was willing, she was available, and she was prayerful, she was able to answer the call of God and experience an unexpected adventure. She didn't plan for it. She didn't know that was going to happen. All she knew is that she was ready when God needed her. And she was at a place where she could engage in that adventure and watch God do something supernatural. Amen? So let's talk about this today. So what does it mean to be willing, available, and prayerful? So let's look at that first point. 
So to be willing, what does that mean? It means that we have to be willing to live out what we say we believe. We have to be willing to live out what we say we believe. Why? Because only authentic Christianity has the power to transform people's lives, right? And I put up there that last little phrase says, not perfectly, but purposely pursuing a life that reflects Jesus, right? The reality is, is it's impossible for me to live that perfect life because I've already messed up, right? So perfection has surpassed me. But I can live a purposeful life of pursuing a life of Christ that reflects who Jesus is in every arena and every area of my life. And guess what? So can you. Right? We got to be willing. What do we got to be willing to do? We got to be willing to live an authentic Christian life. We got to be willing to live out what we say we believe. Why? Because there is a watching world that is dying and going to hell. And, and the, the greatest excuse we hear, you, you ever heard this excuse? Well, the reason I don't go to church is because the church is full of what? And you know why people say that? They say that because the church is full of hypocrites. Don't look at anybody. Just, just keep looking up here. See, the reality is, is that your life matters. And the way you and I live our life determines whether or not we are going to have opportunities to experience these unexpected adventures. Because when you begin to live your life in such a way that genuinely reflects your faith in Jesus Christ, that lifestyle of authentic Christianity opens the door of opportunity, right? Because all of a sudden, when people see your life, be consistent, right? And what does that mean? It means that you love God and serve God when everything's going great, and you love God and you serve God when everything's going horrible. You love God and you serve God when you're blessed, and you love God and you serve God when you're broke. You love God and serve God when you're healthy, wealthy, and wise, and you love God and you serve God when you're broke, busted, and disgusted. And when they see that, you know what happens? When people see the authenticity of a genuine life that's lived out for Christ, not perfectly, but purposely, then guess what happens? When their world falls apart, who do they run to? When their world falls apart, who do they look to? When their world begins to crumble, who do they text? Who do they call? Who do they reach out to? They're not reaching out to the person that's crumbling beside them. They're reaching out to the individual they've been watching at work that has lived a consistent Christian life in the midst of the heartache and heartbreak of life. And all of a sudden, because you're willing, you're just willing to get up every day and say, you know what, today I'm going to be on purpose. I'm willing to purposely represent Jesus today. I'm going to represent him in my success, and I'm going to represent him in my failure. I'm going to represent him when I'm on the top, and I'm going to represent him when I'm on the bottom. I'm going to purposely represent Christ. Let me give you a couple scriptures that just drive home this thought from the Word of God. First John, the Bible says, if someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Look at that verse for a second. If someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God, doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar and is not living the truth. Pastor Keith, are you calling me a liar? No, I'm not. God is. Look at the next verse. Look at this next verse. I want you to see this. How important it is that we live out our faith. Look what he says. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Why? Because obedience comes out of love. 
I don't serve God out of obligation. I serve God out of love, out of a revelation of His love for me. And I serve Him because I want to. Imagine if you got married, took your wedding vows, made your covenant with your wife, and you said, well, baby, you know what? This is what the, this is what the preacher said I got to do, so I guess I'm going to do it. I really don't like you anymore. That wouldn't be much of a marriage, would it? The covenant of your marriage thrives not when you operate by the letter of your covenant, but by the love of your covenant. See, real obedience flows out of people who love God, right? We don't serve God because we have to. We serve God because we want to, because our heart has been captivated by His amazing love. Amen? Look what it says here. He says that those who obey God's Word truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. Look at this last verse, verse 6. And those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Man, that's, that's not only a mouthful, that's a lifeful. <laughs> That's a lifetime verse, right? I ought to live my life as Jesus did. Why does that even matter? Let me tell you why it matters. Let's flip the coin. Let's look in Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, Paul is rebuking the Jewish believers, and he's, he's bringing correction to them uh, because there is a discrepancy in their life. Now look at this verse. He says, you are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking the law. No wonder the Scripture says the Gentiles. Now, in context, the Gentiles here in this context represent the unbelievers or non-believers. So we can say that we can use that phrase Gentiles to say the non-believers blaspheme the name of God because of you. So Paul rebukes these Jewish believers because they were boasting, hey, I know the law, I can quote the law, I can give you chapter and verse, but they weren't living the life they were called to live. They could quote the law, but they weren't living the law. They could pray eloquent prayers, and they could worship radically, but their life didn't match their worship. And so all of a sudden, Paul says, guys, you need to understand, this really matters. It matters how you live, and the reason it matters how you live is because there is a lost and a dying world. There is a non-unbelieving world out there that is looking at you, and he says, when you profess something and then you don't live what you profess, it causes them not only to reject God, but to blaspheme and curse the name of God. Now, I, I want to share with you a little story. Lee Strobel stares, shares, uh, it's called a letter from Maggie, and it's a letter that a young lady wrote to him and actually wrote to her small group, and, and, and she grew up in a crazy home, and she was resistant to Christianity, but she, she kind of pressed through all that. She connected to their church. She got into a small group, and as a result of that, God changed her heart and her life, but she wrote him a letter that just is powerful. I think it just gives us a beautiful picture of the significance that we have to be willing ever Every day to live out what we say we believe because there are souls at stake, amen, on how we live our lives. This is what it says. She says, the Christianity I grew up with was so confusing to me even as a child. People said one thing, but they did another. They appeared very spiritual in public, but they were very abusive in private. What they said and what they did never really fit. There was such a discrepancy that I came to hate Christianity, not reject it. She hated it, right? And that's what happens to the world when we profess and then don't live the life we're professing. It causes them not just to reject Christianity, but to actually hate the thing that God sent to save them. And she said, I hated Christianity and I did not want to be associated with a church. 
But her letter goes on. She says, so when I came to the church and actually got in a small group, I needed gentleness. I needed to be able to ask any question. I needed to have my questions taken seriously. I needed to be treated with respect and validated. But most of all, listen to this statement, most of all, I needed to see people whose actions match what they say. Now listen to this next statement. She says, I'm not looking for perfect, but I am looking for real. Integrity is a word that comes to mind. I need to hear real people talk about real life, and I need to know if God is or can be a part of real life. Does he care about the wounds that, he, that I have? Does he care that I need a place to live? Can I ever be a whole and healthy person? I've asked questions like these in my group, she said, and I have not been laughed at or ignored or invalidated. I have not been pushed away or pressured in any way. As a matter of fact, I don't understand the caring that I've received. I don't understand that the leaders don't seem to be afraid of questions. And they don't say things like, you just need to have more faith or you need to pray more. They don't seem to be afraid to tell who they are. They seem genuine. And then she wrote this poem she gave to her small group. She says, do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Do you know, do you understand that when you treat me with gentleness, it raises a question in my mind that maybe God is gentle too? Maybe he isn't someone who laughs at me when I'm hurting. Do you know, do you understand that when you listen to my questions and you don't laugh, I think, what if Jesus is interested in me too? Do you know, do you understand that when I hear you talk about arguments and conflicts and scars from your past that I think, maybe I'm just a regular person instead of a bad, no good little girl who deserves to be abused? If you care, I think maybe he cares. And then there's this flame of hope that burns inside me. And for a while, I'm even afraid to breathe because it might go out. Do you know, do you understand that your words are his words? Your face is his face to someone like me. Now listen to this last part. Please be who you say you are. Please, God, don't let this be another trick. Please let this be real. Do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me. That's the reality, guys, of a watching world. They're wanting something real. Please, God, please let this be real. We got to be willing to live out this thing we call Christianity, not perfectly, but purposely pursuing a life that represents Jesus. Our words, our actions, our attitudes matter to God. Let me give you one final thought. We're going to look at our second point. Here's a great word of encouragement. It's really simple. If you're willing, God is able. <laughs> if you're willing, if you're willing to get up every day and say, today, God, I want, to, I, want to, I want to own purpose. I want to purposely represent Jesus in all that I say and all that I do. Guess what? If you're willing to do that, God is able by the Holy Spirit to empower you to live a life that represents Christ. Let me give you a great thought this morning. It's not impossible, it's just supernatural. It's not impossible to live a life that represents Jesus, it's just supernatural. You can't do it apart from the empowering of the Holy Spirit. But if you are willing 
to present your life to God every single day and say, God, today I want to represent you in every arena and every area and every action of my life from my words to my thoughts to my deeds. Guess what? If you're willing, God is able to empower you to live that life. If you're willing to love the unlovable, guess what? God is able to heal their hearts and put their lives back together again. If you're willing to reach out to a world that doesn't know him, God is able to save them, the Bible says, to the uttermost and bring them into a relationship with him. If we're willing, God's able. Let me give you our second thought. So what does it mean to be available? So we got to be willing to live this Christian life. We got to be willing to be authentic and genuine and real, but we also have to be available. I want you I want you to see this. So to be available means that we are interruptible. This means that we are constantly listening for the voice of God, realizing that there are demonic interruptions and there are divine interruptions, and God's voice discerns the difference. We have to be willing to be available means I'm interruptible. Now, now, the Lord just really quickened this in my heart. He said, Keith, he said, do you realize, if you'll just honestly think about your Christian life, if you will look at your Christian life, you can be honest and say this, most of the divine interruptions that God brings into your life, they're not daily detours. Most of the time, God doesn't just wreck your whole day and send you in a whole other direction. Sometimes that happens, right? We all have experienced those. But most of the time, most of the time, it's not a daily detour that God wants you to take. Most of the time, God just wants to interrupt your life long enough for you to hit the pause button. Right? God just wants you to pause what you're doing for a 30-second prayer. God wants you to pause what you're doing for a 60-second conversation. God wants you to pause what you're doing for three minutes of care and compassion poured out on another person's life. I mean, think about it. Most of the divine interruptions in your life are not a total detour of your day. It's just that God is asking you to hit the pause button. And yeah, you got stuff to do, and God wants you to do that stuff. But if you'll just be willing to be available, to be interrupted, and pause what you're doing long enough to minister to somebody. I had a guy come up to me this week, was up at the church. He said, Pastor Keith, he said, I don't know if you remember. He said, but last year my brother died, and you came by our house, and you prayed with us. He said, you will never know how much that prayer meant to me and my family. Didn't change my day, it just paused my moment. Just just a prayer. Just a word of encouragement. Just a text message, right? I mean, how many times are you doing stuff and all of a sudden you get this little thought, right? I need to text so-and-so and just check in on them. Or I need to send them that scripture I read this morning. Or I need to just stop and pray for so-and-so and this person or that person. You know what God's doing? He's trying to interrupt your moment. He's wanting to know, are you available? Not to deter your whole day, just to pause your life for just a few seconds, maybe a couple minutes, just to engage in, a, in an unexpected adventure that God has for you, that could transform somebody's life. How many of you know that God can do in a moment what we could never do in a lifetime? It's amazing. Now, you got to realize something. I'm going to hit this kind of quick. you got to realize that, that you have to, the way we become available is we have to consistently listen to the voice of God. We have to be attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because not only are there divine interruptions, there are demonic interruptions. And if you don't believe me, just set your alarm clock 30 minutes early tomorrow to get up and spend time with Jesus, and somebody will call you at 5 o'clock in the morning. Right? 
You start setting time to get along with Jesus, and there'll be demonic interruptions. You set a date night with your spouse, and something tears up. You spent a special day with your family, and something goes haywire. You decide to do something that you know is good, and you know is God. It seems like all hell breaks loose to try to keep you from doing that. So how do you know the difference between a demonic interruption and a divine interruption? It is the voice of God. You hear God speak. Let me give you two scriptures. We read Acts 8 last week. We're going to read it again. Verse 29, it says, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. How do I know this is a divine interruption? Because when God works, God speaks. I'm going to say that again. When God works, God speaks. So how do I know this is a divine interruption, not a demonic interference? I know it's a divine interruption because God has spoken to me, and he said, you need to call them. You need to check on them. You need to pray with them. You need to give them that money. You need to do this. You need to go out of your way here. You need to stop what you're doing and make this thing happen. That is the Holy Spirit speaking, right? And so I discern the difference. I discern, is this a demonic interference or is this a divine interference? And I discern it how? By having an ear that is attuned to what God is saying. Because when God works, God speaks. Let me give you another scripture, Acts chapter 10. It says, meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, Peter's just had this awesome vision, this revelation from God. He saw some things he's never seen before. God is speaking to him in the midst of this thing. He's trying to sort this thing out, right? And in the middle of sorting out this great revelation from God, God interrupts him and says, let's pause that interpretation of the vision and let me engage in something that's going to show you the vision. And he pauses, look what he says, and then the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you, get up, go downstairs, go with them without hesitation, and don't worry for I have sent you. God speaks. We've got to be available. We've got to be interruptible. Even in holy moments, God will sometimes interrupt your holy moment for a holier moment. <laughs> Because when you read the rest of that story, you find out that that encounter, that interruption led Peter to what would ultimately be the birthing of the launch of the Gentiles coming to know Jesus Christ. That's me and you guys. We got saved, grafted in, because Peter was willing to be interrupted out of his quiet time with God. That's pretty awesome. Let me give you the last point. Let's talk about what does it mean to be prayerful. To be prayerful about the work of God in other people's lives means that our prayers have to move beyond our own personal needs. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for your personal needs. As a matter of fact, the Bible encourages us to do that. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Right? Jesus said, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it, and you'll have it. Right? The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God, He'll give it to you. Whatever you lack, you can ask. Right? So, God, we're supposed to pray about our personal needs, but we're not supposed to stop there. Right? We're not supposed to stop there. We can't just pray for us and our family. Yes, we need to pray for us and our family. But we got to move beyond our personal needs where we actually begin to pray for other people, that we begin to ask God to work in other people's lives. Every one of us in this room know people that don't know God. We know them by name, right? You know their name. They don't know Jesus. They're going to hell. They are either they are either in rebellion against God. They know what they ought to do. They're not doing it. Or maybe they're bound in some kind of stronghold or sin or addiction. We all know people like that. We know people that need God to show up and show out in their life. We've got to be prayerful enough to begin to ask God to move in their behalf. Great, we pray for our own needs, but we got to move beyond that. We've got to move beyond that. Let, let, me give you, let me give you a final thought. 
two thoughts actually left. Uh, Mother Teresa said this. I'll go ahead and quote this. Just a great quote Mother Teresa said. Mother Teresa said that, she said, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I stop, they don't. (laughs) Ford said it a while ago. We all know there's no coincidences, right? It's God, right? When we pray, guess what happens? Prayer opens up. It creates unexpected adventures. Right? All of a sudden, think about this. All of a sudden, God reminds you of somebody you went to high school with. You ain't seen them in 20, 30 years. And you start praying for them. And that week, you run into them in Walmart. Right? When you start praying for people, you know what will happen? There will be opportunities, coincidences for you to encounter that person and share the gospel. Because I found out that when I start praying for somebody, many times I get to be the answer to my own prayers. But if I'm not prayerful, that doesn't happen. If I'm not praying for people outside of my own family, outside of my own needs, then I become a self-centered, self-focused Christian that all I ask God to do is meet my own needs and the needs of the people that are nearest and dearest to me. But what about a world that's going to hell? Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Paul said this, My heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. My heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel, for the nation. He was praying for the Jewish people. He said, I want them to be saved. I want them to be set free. I want them to be made whole. And that is my heart's desire and that is my prayer. So I want to give you, look at this next statement. This next statement will will hopefully wreck your prayer life. I hope it does. I hope it just wrecks your prayer life. Look at this next statement. They're going to put it up there on the screen. If God were to answer every prayer you prayed this last week, in the last seven days, if God were to answer every prayer you prayed, would there be anybody new in His kingdom? Think about it. In the last seven days, if God was just today said, bam, yes to everything you asked me for in the last seven days, I'm going to give you everything you asked for in the last seven days, how many of us through our prayers would have added somebody new to the kingdom? Or how many of our prayers for the last seven days have been so self-centered and so self-focused that we never look beyond our own family? When we're working, living, commuting with people every single day that are going to hell, and we know it, and we don't even care enough to pray. Think about that. I read that statement this past week, and it wrecked me. Because let me tell you what happens as a pastor. As a pastor, I pray for my wife, I pray for my kids, I pray for my family, and then I pray for you. Part of my spiritual responsibility, I pray for you, and I pray for our church, and I pray for the needs in our church. But you know what? This is still me and mine. (laughs) What about that guy out there that I've never met that don't know Jesus? What about those people that I've talked to that have never accepted Christ? What about that guy that's bound by addiction or just deceived by his own money that he's headed down a road of destruction? How much time have I spent, have you spent in prayer? So if God were to answer every prayer you prayed in the last seven days, how many people went to heaven because of that? How many people this past week would have got saved because of your prayers? That's a sobering thought. Let me give you our last point. We're going to bring this together. If we are willing, if we are available, if we are prayerful, we will experience the unexpected adventures of God. The craziest thing about the gospel is simply this, that God entrusted His kingdom to us. just so crazy. 
to me and you, flawed, messed up people, but redeemed people, filled with power and glory. And you know what? There's an adventure out there. I want you to bow your heads this morning. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a minute. We're about to wrap up this morning. But I want to do two things this morning. The first thing I want to do is if you're here and you're a Christian, I want to challenge you to take, a, to take an honest evaluation of your life. Are you willing? Are you available? Are you prayerful? Because I believe that every one of us in here today has somewhere gotten hit between the eyes. <laughs> and we probably all recognize, I know God did it in my heart this week. There's areas, there's holes in that formula in my life. There's holes there. There's, there's areas where I'm not as willing and I'm not as available and I'm not as prayerful as I should be. And, and you know what? I want to be that man. I want, to, I want you to be that man, that woman, that person that every day experiences the unexpected adventures of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you're a Christian, I want to challenge you. Take this word seriously. Let, let, it, let it go. Take it home with you. Take it into your prayer time, your quiet time with God, and let God shape you, fashion you, inform you, and birth out of you a new adventure called Christianity. The second thing I want to do this morning is if you're here today and maybe you don't know Christ, and maybe you're on the outside looking in, and maybe you're like Maggie, maybe you grew up in a Christian home that really wasn't a Christian home, and maybe you've been mad at God, and maybe you've been questioning God, but maybe today, I believe today that by the Holy Spirit, God softened your heart. And today you realize there is some real stuff out there, and God is real. And sometimes people screw it up and mess it up, but that doesn't change the fact that God is who He says He is. And today you can know Him. Today your sins can be forgiven, and your future can be secure if you're willing to receive receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, today I want that. I want my sins to be forgiven, and I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to do something really bold, really courageous. Why? Because Jesus said if we deny Him before men, He'll deny us before His Father and the angels. But if we confess Him before men, He will confess us before His Father and the angels. So this is what I want you to do if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, today I want my sins to be forgiven, and I want to commit my life to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want you just to stand up over this building right now. God bless those that are standing. Just stand up right now. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord. God bless you as you stand today. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord. Our ushers are going to come to you if you're standing. They're going to put a packet in your hand, and we're going to pray together in just a minute. But we're about to close the service. If you're here today, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want Him to forgive me of my sins and become the Lord of my life and lead me into my future. Right now, this is your moment. We're about to pray together. It's a bold statement, but you know what? He's a big God, and your eternity matters. Heaven and hell are real, and one day you're going to spend forever somewhere. Where's it going to be? Let's let it be in heaven. Let's let it be in the place that Jesus has called us to. So if you're standing this morning, I want you just to lift your eyes and look, direct, look this direction. I want to look at you for just a minute. If you're, if you're standing, I want you to look at me. I want to say I love you. I'm proud of you. And we're going to pray a prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody in the congregation to pray this prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed, except for those standing. But if you're standing, let's just pray this prayer together. And everybody out loud, join, join me. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior.
in Jesus' name. Amen.